Don't rock in the dark. Lighting elevates your band's stage presence to higher levels of professionalism and dynamic energy. Chauvet DJ makes powerful entertainment lighting that sets up and tears down quickly and easily. Pack and Go systems like 4Bar and Gig Bar 2 have multiple LED lights on one bar. They're easy to mount and haul with included tripods and bags. Control is easy too. Chauvet DJ's cutting-edge Bluetooth lighting products produce amazing effects controlled right from a phone or tablet. Don't just rock. Rock the spotlight with Chauvet DJ. Learn more at ChauvetDJ.com. What's up, guitar noobs? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson, and joining me all the way from downtown, the illustrious Cooper Carter uh, <laughs> joining us this evening. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, we've, <laughs> we've had a couple of challenges uh, offline trying to uh, get everything set up, but um, I was trying to rack my brain to figure out when we actually met, I, I have like my first record of us like conversing on like Facebook is like five years ago, but we we've had to know each other way, way before that. Cause I think we yeah, were still playing I, I music think we at that have. time. Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing your band, uh, cover band play at uh, the back lot of the masquerade, probably, I mean, it had to, I was at my old place, so yeah. it had to have been at least four or five years ago at this point, yeah. but I feel like we've known each other longer than that. I feel like, I feel like Meddlesome is the, like, the through line. I feel like yep. that's probably where sure. I met you. That's Absolutely. I was uh, hanging out there last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a few months since I've been, uh, but it's yeah. always a good time. It's, it's, it is, always. It's, so I feel like every time I've done an interview with somebody in the Atlanta music scene, like that is the through line. Like, oh, I met you at Metalsome. So for, sure, sure. It, it just goes <laughs> to show that um, going out and meeting other musicians and networking is uh, probably a smart idea. Yes, it is. Yeah, never, uh, never not a good idea. I think it's hilarious. Metalsome is uh, where we're saying is the place to do that. I love that spot. It yeah. is one of my faves. For sure. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, check out Ten High. Um, they will take good care yes. of you. You will have fun. Definitely do. It has turned into such a scene, man. It's crazy. I used to go there kind of just to chill with industry players and kick a couple beers back and listen to some tunes, and now it's like this massive, crazy party yeah. every night. Yeah, They've, you, I'm so happy for them. You, yeah, you basically need to go on Monday if you're going to go. Yeah. Right, yeah. Go on Monday before midnight. Indeed. That's the way to go. Or else, or else you can't move. Indeed. So um, Cooper is uh, is a number of things, but primarily he's a guitar player. And um, I, you know, one of the things that I really try to to drill down on when when we're doing these interviews and stuff, it's not just that Cooper is a guitar player; he is an immensely talented guitar player. Um, oh, thank you. And his his creativity has kind of just been the thing that's propelled him forward. Um, for those of you outside of the Atlanta area, you may know uh, Cooper from a number of things. Um, way, way in the way back when um, YouTube was just a, 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 a quaint little place, um, Cooper had a, <laughs> a, a series called Solo a Week um, where he would go in and break down um, famous solos from different songs. Um, you know, from there he's, uh, he's gotten work, um, I, I mean, a lot of it was through your video work was kind of how you, how you built your, uh, your following online. Um, the thing that, Absolutely, that yeah. really broke out for you though, um, was it's probably been a couple of years back. You did 
a cover of the uh, main Star Wars theme where you played every part of the orchestral score on guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was uh, definitely definitely the first thing that I mean I had done you know YouTube videos that I was lucky to have uh, a pretty healthy following on my channel and a lot of great interaction from the guitar community and the fractal audio community because using the Axfex and Ernie Ball Music Band guitars and so but yeah I mean the Star Wars thing was the first thing that really kind of took over uh, you know took over the world for five minutes or so before the first uh, before the Force Awakens came out yeah, and, that, and like, was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I can't even get like actual numbers on it because I feel like it's been shared f- across so many different channels that like you know the the stats on your on your YouTube account don't even cover like half of probably the the amount of plays you've gotten. You know, it's a, it's an interesting actually an interesting kind of wrinkle in that story and I I tell it at the, at the risk of sounding a bit like sour grapes but Actually, right as uh, right as that video was really kind of blowing up on on YouTube, it was uh, it was the front page of Reddit and the front page of Reddit Guitar and Entertainment Weekly had written about it, and uh, you know all the guitar magazines and everything. And then somebody reported it as like uh, you know, offensive or whatever on, on Facebook and every Facebook share disappeared, uh, pending a manual review. So the, so the YouTube video stalled around like 700,000 views or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the Facebook version of the video, there's a, there's a conspiracy theory there for those who are into that, that the Facebook one survived that purge, um, I think has, you know, three or 4 million views or something, but, Honestly, like I, I have a lot of thoughts about view counts and how much we all place emphasis on that because, you know, I, I, I kind of stopped caring about the views when, you know, I got a call from NPR and did an interview. Like that to me was much more fulfilling than sure. having however million views or whatever and, you know, being interviewed on a classical music channel and asked <laughs> about the intricacies behind what, what was being done, you know, to John Williams's score and everything yeah. on the guitar. That was, you know, that was great. But yeah, there is kind of a, a weird metric thing going on there as far as being able to trace exactly what the impact of something is. There are just so many different avenues content shared on now, which I think is really can be a real boon to creatives, um, and can also kind of engender an atmosphere where things that aren't really that important start having a lot of value placed upon them, which. Which is a whole conversation for a different podcast, <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I don't have, the, yeah. Well, <laughs> that that would be one for uh, a little further down the line. But let's go back. <laughs> yeah, so, where? How did you get started playing music? Like, when did you pick up guitar? Like, sure. What were your main influences? Um, all that jazz. I started uh, as a drummer, actually. Okay. When I was, um, I got my first set when I was four. And I played drums really religiously for years. Um, I did my first professional work as a musician, as a guitarist, playing gigs at uh, 10 High, actually, nice. back before it was meddlesome. I played a lot of gigs there. Uh, played a lot of gigs at the Red Light Cafe and all of those classic Atlanta spots. And um, Yeah, I think around about that time, though, maybe five or six my parents got me started on guitar, um, 
I guess technically it was a four string kind of like ukulele starter thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I absolutely, can we swear on this? I don't know. Yes. I I think we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. (laughs) It's, it's the music business. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I fucking hated it. I really, uh, I really hated the guitar when I first started playing it, you know, it hurt my fingers and I was playing out of a, you know, a standard notation book playing jingle bells and fucking Mary had a little lamb and stuff. And, I couldn't be convinced to like it. I, I used to come home from my mandatory guitar lessons and go bash on my drum set for hours. You know, yeah. it was way more fun. I think, and, uh, yeah, I think us in yeah. like lessons and stuff, there's, there's always that point where like the guitar teacher just doesn't quite get it. Yeah, no, I mean, this guy really meant well. I think it was like kind of a, he, it was a guy who came to my, my elementary school in the afternoons and kids who wanted to take guitar would do lessons yeah. there. And, um, you know, to be honest, looking back, I wish I'd taken it more seriously then because I'd be a lot better than I am now if I'd taken it seriously. Oh, for sure. But I'll give a shout out, and I don't think I've ever actually told this story in an interview or anything, but it's it's kind of funny. We can give a shout out to my friend Jarrett Steber, who's actually a really um, brilliant chef in Atlanta. He ran the uh, Eat Me, Speak Me pop-up for the last couple of years and mm-hmm. he's about to open his own restaurant. But he was a really, uh, a great guitarist when I was in junior high. And I think it might, I guess it was the seventh grade talent show. He played back in black. I was just kind of, I was looking around the auditorium and everyone was going crazy. And I, I suddenly like it hit me. I was like, shit, I guess guitar is, you know, guitar is cool. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I, I grew up in the music industry. My dad was in the industry. So I had always thought guitar was cool. But I guess I always saw myself more as a drummer because it's what I had taken seriously for a long time. But mm-hmm. uh, right around, I guess it was 12, maybe 11 or 12, I, um, I got psychotic about it, you know? And yeah. like, <laughs> my, uh, my drumming suffered horribly as a result, but I, uh, you know, started playing what I now kind of call the, the Dream Theater practice regimen. I later learned was like, what John Petrucci and uh, John Myung from that band had done in high school, but I started playing like six hours a day religiously, yeah. just trying to learn as much as I possibly could. I was listening to everything and I was getting every book I could. And, you know, I mean, I think that summer after seventh grade or sixth grade or whatever it was, I, um, I learned like the first four Led Zeppelin albums, note for note. And like, are you experienced and all of the classic, Hendrix albums note for note like I just kind of went nuts about it so and that was kind of the beginning I just and then pretty much until until the end of high school man I was playing four five six hours a day um I went and did a summer program at Berkeley uh College of Music in in Boston and was playing you know eight or ten hours a day there which was awesome (laughs) It was, I mean, it's so much fun and so intense being around that kind of the cadre of musicians that are there and oh, just yeah. that hive mind was, was amazing for a 16 year old kid, um, which was so cool. But yeah, man, I mean, I, I started out as a drummer and then switched to guitar pretty heavily. And I, uh, I, I don't want to say I've never looked back. I play drums every couple of days just cause it's still a blast, but I haven't played them professionally since, you know, I was probably 17. Nice. So. 
Well, yeah. So I, I think you know the what you're explaining. There's kind of a through line there with if we're kind of where you ended up. Um, whereas you kind of found something that you you were really interested in and passionate about, and you really took the time to drill down into sure. um, what you really liked about it. And um, I wanted to kind of like I guess pivot from talking about guitar specifically to talking about your relationship with uh, with Fractal Audio. Sure. So, yeah. So you know, we we on this podcast are very pro Ampless. Um, me and my co-host are, are Helix <laughs> yeah. guys. I know you and I have had plenty of offline conversations about the uh, those two platforms. <laughs> sure. um, but how did you get involved with uh, with Fractal Audio? Yeah. So I, um, as you alluded to earlier, I started my YouTube channel in college, doing the solo uh, of the week or solo a week, and. I was using actually uh, the precursor to the Helix, I guess, which was the Line Six Veda amplifier, yep. um, which is what I had at the time, and it was a cool amp. Uh, it was, you know, really one of the first kind of worthy additions to the live amp digital thing. I thought really, yeah, for um, sure. And uh, right around the end of college, I guess the Axe Two got announced, and. <laughs> It, this is another just super random story, man, and it's kind of this, it's a tale only possible in the social media era. era. Um, they tweeted about being done, ed- almost done editing or writing the manual for the new Axe 2. And at the time, I was at Northwestern for college, and I was working my, like, you know, student job. I was working as a copy editor in the writing place for graduate students and stuff to take their papers to to get edited and i tweeted back at him i said hey i'm an editor i work at northwestern i'm a big fractal fan and i'd love to read the manual and help you guys edit it and uh matt picone the director of fractal who was just recently in my wedding mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh one of my dearest friends in the world uh emailed me back and that kind of started the whole thing i got an axfx 2 i started using that on my channel um and I started posting a lot of tutorials. It was kind of early on in the Fractal's uh, rise to the heights that it's gotten to now as far as pretty, you know, I don't want to say dominating the industry. but uh, it, it is you know, a ubiquitous product for sure. Yeah, I mean, it is it is done as much for the amplifier business, I think, as, you know, and live guitar performing and studio guitar performing as, you know, the JCM 800 or any other kind of earth shattering, you know, the original pod, you know, any kind of paradigm shifting technology. And that's attributable, you know, almost entirely to Cliff Chase, the inventor of the Axe Facts and Matt Picone, who's the director of the company and kind of guides it. And, uh, you know, I started using it and I loved it. Obviously it's an amazing unit and a lot of bands, kind of started calling me to help him out to get, you know, to take the plunge. Cause I was posting a lot of videos on YouTube. And when people went to YouTube to see him, you know, what's up with this Axe Facts, a lot of them kind of came my way. And that got me into a lot of really, um, really cool relationships with a lot of great, a lot of great groups and a lot of dear friends. And, um, it's really kind of been a, a through line in my professional career as far as, um, both guitar and kind of video through YouTube and everything. 
I don't. I know you don't want to toot your own horn, so I'll toot it for you. Um, so uh, Cooper's worked with uh, a number of artists. Uh, just off the top of my head, uh, James Valentine from Maroon Five, uh, the guys from Bush. Um, you've been pretty heavily involved with uh, getting Neil Schoen from Journey transferred kind of over into that ecosystem, um, as well as some other kind of lighter, you know, consulting work with you know other groups like Dream Theater, Taylor Swift, so on and so forth. So. Not just, you know, fly-by-night operations, but, like, pretty heavily, pretty heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I've been, you know, very fortunate to have worked with a lot of, you know, what I would consider kind of the both people at the top of their industry and at the top of their craft, um, just amazing musicians and people. And the thing about it is Fractal's kind of been the, um, you know, the, the key to all that, kind of the guiding, you know, train tracks or whatever you know metaphor you want to use in my career kind of every step along the way fractal's always kind of been a part of it you know a lot of those bands as you mentioned there's you know light kind of uh production consulting where i'll come in and you know talk about how they're going to use the fractal and how it can really help their live show or their album or whatever and uh, a lot of those relationships have really turned into pretty fruitful collaborative things where we'll do a lot of the design and thinking behind the guitar performance itself, kind of separate from any kind of gear, you know, uh, related questions about, you know, what parts are we going to play? You know, how do we want these songs to sound live? And um, it's turned into much more of a kind of, you know, I, I don't know what term you'd put on it. I call it production consulting. You could call it sound design, but, um, you know, musical direction for a guitar or whatever. But um, it's been really great. And, and like I said, some of the bands that I've, been fortunate to work for it it really has turned into a very collaborative really cool mutual kind of relationship so it's like the coolest it job in the world <laughs> uh yeah i mean sometimes yeah, exactly sometimes it is a lot like that sometimes it's kind of wrote um you know programming of sounds and other times it's much more esoteric it's more about you know how what's the vibe of this song yeah. you know what kind of parts are we gonna write to play live because so many times guitarists are trying to mimic synthesizer sounds or trying to, you know, play a part that's totally different from what was on the record because they're going for something entirely different. So it's, it's been a lot of, a lot of really cool and very different work, um, on that side of my career. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Um, and was it through Fractal that you ended up, uh, kind of fostering uh, a relationship with Ernie Ball Music Man? I guess you could call it kind of a, a tandem relationship. You know, I, I've been a massive Dream Theater fan for a long time, since I was at Berkeley, and they're kind of my, you know, there's like Led Zeppelin, and, <laughs> you know, I always kind of crack up when I list my, like, biggest influence, because they're super esoteric, I think. But, like, I'm a massive fan of Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, a massive fan of Dream Theater, and then a fucking huge indigo girls and <laughs> matthew sweet and sean mullins and crosby stills and nash yeah. and Joni mitchell like i i have an enormous uh separate singer songwriter side of my you know kind of call outs well but, and that's interesting um, because i like the the gigs that you do take because you are still you know for all intents and purposes a a working musician um most sure, of the gigs that i see yeah. you working are those kinds of gigs kind of singer songwritery like you're going down to like yeah, a 38 exactly. and that kind of thing and sure yeah i i mean i uh i kind of i went through a period there before i started doing 
uh, a lot of more of the production side of stuff, um, which to be honest, takes up the majority of my time now. You know, I don't play live as much as I, 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 you know, I, I don't think anybody plays as much as they want to. I don't, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm angry about it or whatever, but I don't play live as much as I want to anymore just because I've really found this work very fulfilling and it takes, it's a lot of travel and everything, but but yeah, when I was, um, you know, in my early twenties and I was gigging really hard, it was mostly with, uh, singer songwriter acts, Atlanta singer songwriters. Um, and then, you know, I was making original music, which was more kind of, um, you know, sometimes I like to call it like John Mayer. If he played solos that sounded like Eric Johnson being ripped off, you know, that's kind of <laughs> like my solo band style. Yeah. So, um, you know, very different music, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny if people go on YouTube and watch my demos for Ernie Ball, uh, Music Man guitars, they would assume all I play is like metal. And the reality is I've, I don't think I've ever actually been paid to play a metal gig. It's always yeah. uh, singer songwriter blues, you know, which is, I love that stuff, but I don't think a lot of people who know me from YouTube would ever assume that's what I'm doing when I'm on stage. Yeah. Chauvet DJ is the brand of entertainment lighting that literally puts your band in the spotlight. Your band's stage presence and image are critical to your success. Chauvet DJ Lighting can add visual energy to attract crowds and set your band apart from the competition. Adding lighting to your gigs not only helps the audience see who's rocking, but bands who have even basic lighting have been perceived to actually sound better. Chauvet DJ makes lighting easy with systems that can be set up and torn down in a matter of seconds. From subtle color washes and fades to high energy strobes and chases, Chauvet DJ makes lighting control just as easy. Chauvet DJ's LED products have multiple control options, including auto programs and sound activation modes, wireless foot switches, perfect for guitarists, and remote control options. Chauvet DJ's innovative Bluetooth wireless technology lighting products can be controlled right from a phone or tablet with no additional hardware needed using the free BT Air app available for both Apple and Android devices. Chauvet DJ Gear also has conventional DMX inputs and outputs for more advanced programming options. Learn more at ChauvetDJ.com. Don't just rock. Rock in the spotlight with Chauvet DJ. Going back to the, um, you know, the kind of Ernie Ball Music Man fractal, I don't want to say that the Venn diagram of fans of those two brands is a circle, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of the guys who appreciate the level of, uh, you know, technical prowess that's in the fractal as far as what it delivers are the same kind of guys who appreciate guitars that are made at the top of their craft and, you know, obviously I endorse Ernie Ball Music Man and I'm a proud user, but I was a fan long before they were ever, you know, sending me guitars to demo and stuff. I mean, they are such amazing instruments. And I think that level of, you know, dedication to having the guitar speak in the way that you most want it to is something that's shared by Fractal and Ernie Ball Music Man. And so they have a lot of the same kind of uh, fan base, I think. And that that ultimately is what drew me into music man's orbit as well was I was playing, um, a JP six in all of my solo week videos. Uh, and I was able to kind of approach them through the success of that. And also, also through fractal. Yeah. And I think they've been, uh, you know, uh, this may just be me spitballing or being an armchair quarterback, sure. but it, I feel like they've been very strategic about partnering with uh, YouTubers, especially like guys in oh, this yeah. particular sphere, guys like Jared Dines yep. and some of the other... Um, Fluff and Jared yep. and yep. I mean, we're all, 
we're all on this this same list of you know guys who love <laughs> Ernie Paul Music Man and spend way too much time on YouTube. You know, that's that's very much uh, that orbit. And a lot of them are Fractal fans too. So I know Fluff's got a Xbox Three in his studio and bunch of other guys yeah i think you know when you're looking at it from a business standpoint it is it's it's definitely a smart thing to do because um youtube has become such a platform for younger musicians um that absolutely you know their mtv isn't a thing anymore so if you're going to see a band play a certain or your favorite musician play a certain instrument like they're probably you're going to see it on youtube so for them to be i guess so uh, it feels yeah. like they're kind of out ahead of this whole situation. I feel like them and Kiesel are have sure. been very strategic about doing that kind of work. Yeah, Music Man has been really at the forefront of, and you know, obviously I owe their interest in in me and my career to their interest and their savvy and real vision about breaking into the social media sphere very, very hard. I mean, they're um, they've done an amazing job of that in a way that a lot of companies I think have really kind of struggled to play catch up about. Yeah. Um, and I've honestly just kind of been honored to be a, you know, a small part of that. I mean, the 15 year old me, it kind of flips out every time I do something with them. You know, it's like I always wanted to play music man. And then, you know, here I am sitting on, I think, I mean, almost, almost 10 years working with them or, I mean, somewhere around seven years or whatever it is. But, you know, you look like a guy, uh, at a guy like Jason Richardson, who is so talented and so famous in the social media sphere, or a guy like Matteo Sassato, um, who you know obviously is a session player and he's toured with Tori Kelly and an amazing, an amazing player, but so much of his notoriety came from just posting Instagram videos. Yeah. You know, I mean, like that's where John Mayer discovered him and blew him up to you know, 2 million followers or whatever he has on Instagram now. And it's really a whole new world. It's, it's very pressing what you say about MTV. Cause it's, it's very true. It, that's all of that vibe is kind of transferred over to social media. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk a lot about it because I mean, you know, the people that listen to this podcast are, are musicians that are playing clubs and things like that, but there is a component to this that can allow you to break out of your kind of regional market in, you know, huge ways that, you know, a lot of people can't really, Oh, fathom. I think it's critical. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, it, I think it's critical, especially given how difficult certain areas and realities of the internet uh has made it for people in the music industry you know it's it's so refreshing to see that when that when so many doors closed around that so many more opened you know and and there's been a real a real shift um toward a very connected internet-based music business that has turned out to be incredibly fruitful for a lot of people in a way that i think was very hard for some people to see 10 or 15 years ago as ever being a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if, if I was, well, I mean, I am, but if I was a musician, you know, looking to break into that kind of market, that kind of work, like what would, what would you suggest, um, to a person wanting to kind of get into the social media slash YouTube slash music influencer kind of role? Sure. Yeah, you know, I think it. The, this is a topic that I I could spend a lot of time talking about, and there are people who are likely more authoritative on it than I am. But I think 
what your question reminds me of an Instagram post I made, uh, I guess it was in April when my game of Thrones, uh, guitar orchestra single was released and it made its way, uh, to the front page of guitar world and was the top post for a while. And I screenshotted it and posted it, um, on my Instagram and I, I'm going to read you the caption because I think this encapsulates my advice to anybody who wants to kind of be working in the social media guitar or music sphere in general. Lay it on me. I, I, yeah, I said, stay true to yourself. Do what brings a big, stupid smile to your face. Work until you're exhausted and then work three hours more because it's worth it. And that is what I would say to anybody who is trying to do this is, you know, make the kind of content you want to see. Obviously you have to keep up with trends and you've got to be smart about seeing what's popular and what's going on and, you know, where the business is shifting. But at the end of the day, if you're not making exactly what you want to be making, you're not going to care about it. You're not going to put the time into it that it needs to be because, you know, I think a lot of people see, something like, you know, when somebody goes viral or something, or if, you know, an artist suddenly kind of appears or they see that happening quickly and they assume that it happened quickly. And the fact of the matter is that's just kind of like the last match strike. You know, it's like that, that last moment when Tom Hanks gets that spark out of the log that he's been hacking away at for two fucking hours and cast away. Like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of grinding behind that. And, there's you have to put that in. I think a lot of people think that because the internet moves so fast, you can just do something and have it blow up quickly. And the fact of the matter is, you've still got to work just as hard as you did when it, we were all recording the tape and you know watching Pro Tools crash eight hundred times and you know really grinding to get a single printed and all of that stuff that people used to have to do. Well, yeah, now they're doing um, that though. And now they have to do it. They've, they've got to shoot the video and they've got to edit the video and do all the color. Well, right. Yeah. And, yeah. You're that's, doing that's a great twice point. The work, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And the, you know, the other thing is, and this is something I've struggled with in my career and I still struggle with every day, which is that feeling that, you know, you have to, to a certain degree, be a jack of all trades. Um, a lot of the time when you are producing social content, but there is also something to be said for finding like-minded people and really giving credit to guys who do things better than you do and saying, look, I'm going to be good at these things and you're going to be good at those and we can work together. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with collaboration. You know, the internet is so isolating and it's so dangerous because, you know, everybody's trying to outgame everybody else. And it's, I think in a lot of ways, social media makes us really unhealthily competitive. And some of the most fun things I've ever done in my career, and I know I can, I'm probably speaking for a lot of people who do anything in the creative industry, uh, is made so much more fun and so much more rewarding when you're doing it with friends and colleagues. Um, I, I think I'm thinking back to a lot of tours that I've done a lot of work on for um, through Fractal, you know, doing production work and just some of the best times I've had in my career. Uh, I would put those sessions, you know, locked in the control room for 12 hours, just tweaking guitar sounds in some studio in LA. You know, it was 12 long hours, but that kind of thing was as much fun as being in my 
rehearsal space with my solo band and, and taking that to the stage and playing a great show. You know, I mean, it's yeah. all, it's all about where you can find fulfillment. And I think once you lock down what it is that makes you happy, you just have to, you just have to fucking stay true to it. It's so easy to feel like you need to go do something else when everybody is popping up on your feed. I, you know, I read a great, I heard a great quote one time. It was don't, don't get bogged down in, uh, or I guess it's don't get disheartened by watching someone's highlight reel just because you're bogged down in your own behind the scenes footage. You know, it's like everybody's just showing the good shit, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the, it's, you know, it's the, it's the upside to social media is that you can, you can just flex and they don't have to see all the crap you have to do to get there. And I mean, that was, that that was the best point that you made was like, you know, talking about these viral hits and things with these overnight successes. Most of these guys have been plugging away five, 10, 15 years at their craft to have this quote unquote overnight success. I mean, it's just like, you know, in the olden days where the, you know, one hit wonders where, you know, they, they, they debut at number one, but like they've been grinding for the last 10, 15 years to get to that point. And then, you know, the yeah, other thing exactly. is, is like vir- virality, I guess that's how you say that. Yeah, sure. Is, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> it's, it's, um, there is a formula to it and some people try to crack the code, but like you, you look at some of these, you know, guitar guys, like I, I'm going to keep putting up Jared Dines cause he's just kind of the, the gold standard yeah, on a lot of the stuff. He's awesome. And he's a fucking great guy. Yeah. Keep, I will continue to put him up for sure. But like guys, he, he's, he's gone viral, you know, dozens of times at this point because he's figured out a way to, um, not necessarily crack the code, but he's found a way to generate content that, you know, yep. brings traffic in. And yeah, you know, the other thing I would add to that too, which I have not always been great about, um, you know, I've been, I would say at this point in my career in the last two years, I have been fairly slack as a social media guitarist, um, which, you know, which I'm partially feel bad about, but I'm also thankful for because I've been so busy doing this kind of more production side based stuff with tours. Um, and that brings me to another real key, which is like, if you've got to, if you want to break on social media, you have to post consistently. Yep. Like it, that's the only thing that brings in subscribers and, you know, subscribers are more important than views. And I'll, I'll stay true to that. I'll defend that to my grave yeah. because they're the YouTube and everything else is full of accounts that have one video with 15 million views and 20 other videos with a hundred views and they have 300 subscribers. And you know, that one viral video isn't enough to sustain a career. You know, they didn't get much out of that probably, but then you've got guys like Jared who have millions of videos on every view and he has, you know, however many subscribers he has pushing three million, I think at this point. Yeah, exactly. Rick Beato who just hit a million last week. It's because he's uploading kick ass videos every week and he never misses a a week. And that's, you know, I mean, my subscriber base grew from zero to 25,000 in the first probably year of doing solo a week. And I think it's grown 2000 in the five years since then, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not posting a solo every week. People want to learn. I'm posting what, you know, what I think are, uh, you know, great guitar demos. I work really hard on them, but you know, I'm not aiming for those to go viral. Those are to inform guys about how great I think the gear that I love is. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, but it's a very different angle that I've taken on my social media accounts now. Yeah. So 
Do you, uh, do you listen so to my little, you know, advice profile? <laughs> do you, uh, do you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk at all? You know, you're not the first person who's told me <laughs> I need to, <laughs> I he, need to, he will, he will ruin, he will ruin you on social media, uh, content creation stuff. But it's, yeah, it's good I mean, it's, He's there's, a good guy. there's always something to learn. You know, there's a, like anything else with, the entertainment industries, there's a good bit of, you know, artistry and there's a good bit of artifice, you know, there, there's, there's always, there's always an angle to be had like with anything else. And you just always got to keep learning where those angles are. Yeah. So, uh, what is, what's next for you, man? What do you got coming up? Well, um, I've, you know, a couple things, you know, it, it kind of, it's kind of a bummer we're not doing this in like maybe a month or two because I've got two projects right now that I'm really, really, uh, really excited about that I I can't talk about unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm sorry to sorry to kind of tease you there, no but um, I will also be I I'm trying to get um, my instrumental solo album, which a lot of people have been asking for, wrapped up. Um, basically, kind of a um, most of, you know, every Music Man demo I do or Fractal demo that I do opens with a little one-minute social uh, social media-appropriate length uh, song that I write. But uh, I've turned all of those into full instrumental tunes. So I'm hoping to get an album of those out soon, which would be a lot nice. of fun. Um, and then, yeah, two other projects that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. But He's going to tell we'll me after we stop podcast. recording, and you guys are going to be so jealous. <laughs> no, unfortunately, no, I'm not. But, but uh, we can do another one of these in a, in a year, and Hell we'll yeah. see if either of them happened. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of times, um, you know, these things kind of, people listen to it and they want to hear follow-ups. Um, so maybe we could we could schedule some sort of follow-up a, a little further down the road. But uh, I've been wanting to get, yeah, man, get your, sure. you know, get your foot in the door to, to talk for a little bit because we, we do definitely talk about a certain kind of, or certain corner of the entertainment industry. And I wanted to just yeah, very much. bring something up that, you know, people may not normally consider, um, but is sure. definitely a viable, um, you know, career path or, or just a way to supplement, you know, the work that they're already doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not, you know, I can't say anything other than that, I've been incredibly fortunate and I think if anybody takes anything away from me kind of going behind the scenes and kind of tracing where my career has gone, um, you know, in the last, I guess, decade at this point, pretty much, um, there's, you know, I, I, yeah, of course, a lot of it is, is hard work. I, I work really hard and there's no substitute for that, but you know, there, there is a big chunk of it that is kind of that shitty cliche you always hear. It's like, you know, who you know, who you run into and, and who you end up working with. And, but I think that that's something that can be, you can put that energy out into the world as cheesy as that sounds. You know, I mean, I think it's I can't remember who it was. They said luck is, you know, 50% hard work and 50% good timing. You know, you, yep. you really do make your own, your own good fortune. And it's, I mean, shit, man, I've struggled with it over my life. It's really easy to sit in your studio and, and just kind of mess around and, and feel like you're never going to go anywhere and the world doesn't give a shit about what you have to say about your music or your creative art. And it's, I think it's something most artists struggle with is the, you know, the self doubt and the kind of 
you know, why does this matter? I mean, I, you know, I know I've definitely had encounters with that and, you know, that's not going to get you anywhere. You got to get up and you've got to go out there. You got to go to local gigs and meet people like, you know, how we met and you got to go out there and, and remember why you got into the business in the first place is that you fucking love music and you've got to always just love music. I love the creative process, you know, whether it's video or music or, you know, I mean, shit, renovating my house, whatever it is, I love the creative process. And so I'm always going to find a way to, to really dive into that. And that's, that's what people have got to do. You know, if you, if you want to do this kind of thing, you've got to love the process because at the end of the day, there are more, far more projects that I've spent time on that really didn't, you know, quote, do anything. Uh, and that w- that could have really messed me up, you know, but I love creating so much that that was as much the reward as having it end up, you know, in Guitar World or whatever. It's yeah. it's the process that's that's wonderful and the people that you meet. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you just got to, you got to love making music or making whatever it is that you make. It's, 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 man, that's such a cool point because, you know, we, I found that like the process of building bands and building brands and doing the kind of work, you know, in this kind of realm is just as fulfilling as, you know, writing music and releasing stuff and, and, and doing the actual performing, um, because yeah, I mean, what totally pulling, making something out of nothing, um, is just, it feels good. It's cool. It's it's great, man. It's 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 the greatest thing in the world, I, and you know, for my money, I really I really believe that. And it's I I really mean that. You know, obviously the result is important because that's you know this is real life. You know, it's not called the music not business. It's called the music business, and you know, I've I've never uh, paid my mortgage with a good vibe. You nope. know, but but by the turn of that same coin people who are in the music business, people who are in the creative arts and who've been able to make any kind of career out of it, I think are in a really unique position to be doing something they genuinely really love. I mean, I know that at least, I don't know, at least 70% of the time I am doing something that 13 year old me would look at and be like, yeah, man, that's, that's what I do in my free time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and of course, you know, since I'm a, a, you know, real life adult human, there's a lot of it that is just work, you know, but that's life. Mm -hmm. But I think my most important thing that I tell friends or anybody else who's, you know, getting started or struggling or when I'm struggling, what I remind myself of is this is what I wanted to do and I'm doing it. And there aren't, you know, not everyone can say that. Yeah. And that's something you really if you're not if you're not very thankful for that then then honestly you just should you're in the wrong business, you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally, man. And it's so great to see it's so great to see people embracing that whether it's, you know, people like you who are building bands up and you know the guys in Yacht Rock who've devoted their careers to just creating this awesome business based around just playing music and making people feel good, you know, or it's guys who are putting up tons of YouTube content or whatever it is. I think it goes back to what I was saying in that Instagram post. You got to be true to yourself. You got to do what makes you smile like an idiot. And, you know, when it doesn't work out, you got to remember that 
nothing's always good for anybody. It's not yeah. just the entertainment business. That's everything, you know? Yeah. Learn your lesson, move on, try something else. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's an important point too, is that everything is instructive. You know, there's, there's not a thing that's happened in my career that hasn't taught me something, whether it was good or bad. And it's so glib, but it's so true. Yeah. It's like Kenny Rogers said, man, you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. <laughs> so it's, yes, there we go. Bring that, it to Kenny Rogers. I love it. I think that's how we should end the episode. I, I don't see how we could top we'll it. End it. We'll end it there. How can we top that? Cooper, I love it. thank you uh, so, very, so very much for your time. Um, why don't you let oh, people man, know Oh, man, thank how, you for having me. It's been a privilege. Absolutely, man. Uh, let people know uh, how they can get in touch with you or how they can track you down. Yeah, man. Uh, Facebook, Cooper Carter Guitar. Uh, Instagram, Cooper underscore Carter. Twitter, same thing. Um, and then websites for people who use websites, uh, coopercarter.com. You can find great links to my uh, social media pages that I just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks so much. And then, of course, YouTube. I shouldn't, you know, yep. we mentioned that enough. 100%. All right, guys. Thanks well, so much for having me on, man. Dude, it's been an absolute pleasure. We don't get to we don't get to catch up very often, so this was a good excuse. We don't. On no, a Wednesday you're right. Night. So, um, hell yeah. So uh, I'll go ahead and call it for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in from Atlanta, Georgia. I am Adam Johnson. You have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, Episode sixty seven. Have a great week.